Hey guys, we're starting a new podcast series today called Sojourning. We're going to be comparing and contrasting different ways of life. Two different ways, God's way and the world's way, we could say, or the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light, God's kingdom, Satan's kingdom. But we do, we'll be doing it by contrasting different metaphors and images and ideas. So today we'll be talking about, well, today I got a lot of songs and I'm just going to sing the whole podcast. Uh, maybe, <laughs> not really, but anyway, uh, we're going to visit Sandra McCracken, Josh Garrels, Mumford and Sons, an old hymn, and we're going to talk about... A, garden versus a tower. We're also going to talk about Kronos versus Kairos. All those things. Hey guys, this is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. So <laughs> thanks for joining me, guys. I'm on the trails, just so you know, in the woods. I hope you hear the birds, but let's get into the episode. All right. The summer iris in the mountains, the voice of God singing mockingbird. Breathe in the autumn leaves of fire, a thousand fires with no words. To raise up your heart when your eyes are dark and dim. Awake my soul to the maker's call in the garden, in the garden. Yeah, (laughs) that's a Sandra McCracken song, In the Garden. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about sojourning, what it looks like to walk through the world. With God, in the paradigm path of God, in the structure of godly life, in the the way that God has ordered the world and really designed the world to work and us to work within the world, right? But we have to realize there are two paradigms, there are two kinds of systems, right? We talked about this in the podcast on truth, which we just finished, or the the, the series, podcast series on truth, right? We talked about these two different kingdoms, right? So we have this alternative way of living life that's not God's way, right? It's epitomized in many different ways. There's like many different images in scripture that really, you know, try to communicate this idea of what life apart from God looks like and what life with God looks like, right? Life with God is like a garden, It's the first image in Scripture that we see concerning how God has ordered the world. And then there's this tower, which is one of the first images of life apart from God that we see. Right? You know these stories. Um, You know that we started out in a garden. Right? started out, well, you know, we, Adam and Eve, <laughs> started out in a garden, right? Let's go to Genesis. Like, we're going to inhabit three passages or three sections in Genesis. Um, 
Uh, I'm fighting bugs. I'm fighting all kinds of stuff today. But it's a beautiful day. It's warm. But let's get to Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 3. Okay. So, this is the beginning, right? This is chapter 3. It's called The Fall. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said, You know, yeah. That's what he said, <laughs> right? Um, so we know The Fall. Backing up to chapter 2, right before that, though. It says, you know, in verse 20, chapter 2, Adam named all the livestock. And, right, he's, like, seeing the animals, and they're coming in pairs, right? And then he's, like, ding, ding, light bulb moment. He's, like, wait a minute, I don't have a pair. <laughs> and so it says in verse 20, for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took a rib, right, formed woman from man. Verse 23, the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Right? Um, backing up again. So we're going, I'm going reverse a little bit here to verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters and names the rivers, the Pishon, the Havilah, um, the Gihon, and then the Tigris. The fourth was Euphrates. Sorry, the Gihon. Hang on a second. Yeah, a second. Oh, Havilah was the name of the land where the Pishon River was at. Sorry. So, <laughs> throwing a lot of words, names at me right now. So the Pishon, the Gihon, the Tigris, and the Euphrates were the four rivers that flowed from the garden. But notice, a couple of things to notice. The Garden of Eden is the center of the world. This is kind of just a way to, that this the scriptures are kind of establishing this idea. Eden is the center Right, God is inhabiting the center of his creation with Adam and Eve, Eden. But from there flow these four rivers. Rivers, you know, rivers really symbolize a lot of different things. But here they're symbolizing like life is flowing out from this central place, Eden. And what's central about Eden is God's presence. And, and it says, verse eight, God planted a garden in the east. Right, God planted. God creates this place for Adam and Eve. This is all God given. God made all kinds of trees. He, he established this place. But in this place, there's these two trees, knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Okay, There's all these trees, but there's these two particular trees, right? And so, really, God sets up his creation in a certain way. Right? He doesn't... He, he, he creates a perfect place, Eden, but he doesn't create a place that's without our ability to choose. So note that, right? But this is a place created by God. Something you may not know, I didn't know this. I learned this from Jonathan Peugeot. He's got a, a YouTube channel called 
the symbolic world. But this is, you know, if you want to know more about this, look him up. Look up Eden. Eden was on a mountain. In Scripture, a mountain symbolizes God. It's like going up a mountain. You're going up. God is like at the top of the mountain. The journey towards God is like traveling up a mountain. So keep in mind, Eden is a mountain. It's at the top of a mountain. Of course, rivers are flowing out from it, right? We know rivers flow. They don't flow uphill. They flow downhill, right? They're flowing out from this mountain down into all these valleys around it. It's like this mountain is the center of, of God. And it's the place God set up for mankind to dwell with him. This is the garden. This is the image of a garden, right? Understand, it's established by God. It's given to mankind. But it's flourishing. It's got rivers. It's got trees. It's got every good thing. It's even got the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in it. So it's not, it's like perfect, but it's not, it's not a place where we have, we have to live with God. We have a choice, right? Okay. This is the first real big place image we have in Scripture. And then, of course, we know, as I've already kind of reverse, I reverse read the Scriptures, but then, you know, Adam, Eve was created, and then, of course, there's the fall, right? Satan tempted them with the knowledge of good and evil. But again, note, God put that tree there. Satan tempted Adam and Eve with something God put there intentionally, Right? God, Satan didn't create this thing he offered Adam and Eve. God did. Interesting, right? God sets up this perfect place, but what? He gives us the choice to stay in it or not, right? Okay, that's important. One of the things central to the garden is God does not force us. He does not, he's not manipulate. He doesn't try to control. He doesn't try to coerce. God wants to be in a loving relationship with us. So he sets up his world in a way where we have choice. Okay? That's that's just right there in the story. It's so important that, that God establishes this idea. Hey, I will give you every perfect thing. It's given by me, but you have to choose to receive it in the garden. This image of a garden where God creates this place perfect for us still is this option to choose because that is part of the very nature of God. God does not want to set up the world in a way where we don't have a choice because that's not relationship. That's not love. Love is not forced. You know, First uh, Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter 13 is a good description of love does not seek its own. It's not self-seeking. By the very nature of who God is, God is love. By his very nature, he sets up this perfect world. But he doesn't set it up in a way where he has this totalitarian, controlling, manipulating, and self-serving power over us. He actually, what? Why also the tree of life, right? Life is like the power of God. God created life, but he puts this tree of life, right? So God wants to walk and participate with us. He actually puts us on his level in a way. Like, obviously, there's a, there's a distinction. God, we are not God. Uh, we're not pantheists, right? We're not into pantheism where everything's God. We're all gods and blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, there's a distinction, but God wants to participate with us, and he offers his power to us. Like, right? Um, I think that's pretty clear in Scripture. God, you know, we read from the passage in Matthew as a part of the 
truth podcast series, but to us is given the keys of the kingdom to bind or loose on earth as it is in heaven. God gives us dominion on the earth like he has dominion over the whole whole of creation, right? Because God wants us to participate in the world as he does in his power. He offers us his power. He puts us in some ways on par with him. Christ calls us joint heirs, right? Anyway, like God does two things in the garden. He doesn't force us to stay there. He offers everything good, but he doesn't force us. And then he also puts us on par with him in many ways. Okay? That's the image of the garden. What about the tower? Tower comes after we fall, right? (laughs) It was kind of by mistake, but one of the reasons I read those scriptures backwards is because I had them looked up sequentially backwards. But that's okay. It works. It's okay. So now Genesis 11. We've we started with Genesis 6, went back to 3, then 2, right? But now we're, we get to Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, okay? Starting with verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. That's cool. I like brick houses, by the way. I love brick. We'll get to why it says they used brick instead of stone. Okay, this is interesting. But like, like God doesn't hate brick. I just want you to know that. <laughs> brick is cool. Verse 5, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. God does not like towers. Is that the takeaway? (laughs) Kind of. This tower building symbolizes something much deeper than a structure, a physical structure. First, the first hint here is they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They used brick instead of stone. They said to each other, verse 3, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. What are we talking about? We're talking about technology. I know it doesn't seem like a brick is technology to us. We're talking about technology versus nature. A stone that is naturally occurring. Now you have to, you know to build with a stone you can build with rough stones you know my house has a stone skirt and stone chimneys and they're field stones right and they use regular mortar a couple different things like brick versus stone tar versus mortar to use tar you had to have milled you would have to mill stones which is technology or you would have to bake bricks right mortar it's basically the dust of the stones kind of turned into a paste, right? And like, if you notice, um, field stones have a lot of mortar because they're round and you can't stack them and you can't build them up very high either, really. Structurally, they're not as sound. Bricks are flat. You can use tar. This is really about technology, industry. It's also about the mechanization of man as Josh Garrels puts it in his song, Resistance. We'll get to that Maybe it's a part of this conversation about the, the tower and how it's different than the garden. We'll, we'll bring in Josh Garrels because I like kind of some of the things he says or sings in his song Resistance. But 
this is what they say. Like, look, they just don't make bricks and like, let's build some brick houses. They, they have this technology now to make bricks. And they're using brick instead of stone. Stone's naturally occurring. Stone represents more nature. Brick, man-made. It's a, it's a technology Right, and keep in mind we've fallen. Right, we have this we have this additional knowledge, knowledge of evil, not just good. You know, Adam and Eve had the knowledge of good; they didn't have the knowledge of evil before the fall. So what? They didn't really understand even their own knowledge in light of its opposite. You could say, but now mankind's fallen, and they have this extra knowledge. A lot of you know, in a lot of mythological stories, technology symbolizes rebellion against the gods. And, you know, our modern minds are like, we have such a positive view of technology and all the things that have, good things have come from it and good things have come from it. But what, one of the things we'll talk about in the series is how, why is technology in general a curse? Okay. Not all technology is a curse. And it's not the technology itself necessarily, but really how it separates us from God. The tower represents a system, a way of life, a way of organizing life in opposition to God's way, right? We've talked about the garden, God at the center. It's all given. It's all natural, right? It's on a mountain. Think about this. This is pretty cool. What is a tower? It's reaching up to the heavens. What does a mountain do? Reaches up to the heavens. A tower is like a man-made mountain. What do they say in verse 4, right? They're not just building bricks or, or creating bricks and building a tower. What are they doing with it? Verse 4, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Hmm. They're reaching up to the heavens. Now look, we hear heavens and we think just the sky. In the ancient mind, heavens represented the realm of the gods. There was the earth and there were the heavens. We'll get into that in one of the other podcasts, which will be called Earth versus Heaven. Um, but this is what's going on here. They're trying to create their own way to God and their own system for getting there. They have their own technology, their own understanding, their own wisdom. The tower represents a man-made way of trying to, what, gain supernatural power. The heavens represents the realm of the gods. They're trying to kind of, in a sense, they're trying to launch this assault on heaven. But what it really epitomizes, it's not just like, it's not just like the movies and like they're creating these machines and they're actually trying to go to like whatever, where... Uh, you know, to Mount Olympus or to um, Asgard, right? This is not like, and they're building some kind of ship. No, this is about a way of life, and it's a way of, a way of organizing life. Okay, so in order to build this tower, you have to, like, this is a si- system of civilization. You have to you have to create systems of organization. You have to organize labor groups. You have to, people have to have trades and crafts. And there's a way, it's like they're making a whole city here, right? It says, well, let's build for ourselves a city with a tower. This is a system of organizing human life, right? Think about a city with a tower at its center versus a garden with a mountain at its center. Both are reaching up to the heavens. Both, in a, in a sense, offer a way to God or to the power to control like God controls, right? Even God puts the tree of life in the garden, right? He doesn't actually tell them not to eat from the tree of eternal life. He doesn't not to eat from the tree of the good of, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But like, they didn't need the tree of life. They weren't dying. Like the tree of life doesn't make any sense before the fall. Because they, they have no concept of anything but life. Right? Like, so, th- these are two different ways to really think. When we think power, 
the ability to control our environment. Like God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth, which is very interesting. We talked about how then that power is returned when Jesus in Jesus' pronouncement to Peter that now through this rock upon which the church is built, like we now have the ability to bind and loose on earth as it is in heaven. Like we have dominion over the earth again. Like how, we're regaining the dominion, the original dominion God has God intended to the garden, but it's epitomized by God's system, which what has God at the center. In the city, you have a system of organizing people. It has a tower, but it's not, it's reaching towards God's power, but it's not God's way to that power. It's really us being our own gods and us trying to create a way to control the whole earth in our own strength. We're creating a false system that gives us a kind of power over the earth through mechanization, through creating these systems by which we can control the earth. The city and the tower represent a way opposite to God's way of trying to live as humans in the world, trying to organize and imagine life and, and get to what is good. I mean, think about how we attempt to make life good for ourselves. You know, it's technology. Technology represents how we try to subdue the earth for our own benefit the mountain and the garden represent the way that God has or- organized and ordained life for our good. But guess what? It's under his control. It's given by him. We, don't, we can't get it unless it's given. God's order, the garden, represents a place where God gives us the power to have dominion over the earth. But it's God given and it's not really ours. We, have to, we only have it in connection to God. And so really the mountain, God is at the top. The mountain symbolizes life in connection to God, where everything comes from God, through God, and nothing is really ours in and of ourselves. Like, we in the garden, we didn't create it. We don't sustain it. Everything comes from God. And there's this, this is kind of what some would call a providential view of the world or of history. God's in control, and God's, like, ordaining all things for our good. But we, only as we align ourselves with God do we step into that reality and that goodness, right? The opposition of the garden, or the, on the, opposite, the opposite image of the garden is the tower at the center of the city. It's a way that we're like, okay, we can do this. We don't need to submit to God. We don't need God's help. We don't need God's power. We can take God's power on our own and wield it ourselves and do what's good. Okay, let's think about that. Like, so we can, like, we can create electricity. We can create cities and and houses and technologies and like awesome right and then what we can create nuclear power plants to fuel it all that's great oh but there's a side effect to this system oh there's these nuclear waste and then what are we also doing we're we're channeling people into these mechanized um Man, ways of manufacturing and producing the, all these things, all these amenities, like the cost and the side effect and the downside of this system of the tower is that we all have to really participate in a kind of living death. We have to be enslaved to a kind of system. Benefits are great, but they don't outweigh the negatives. The negatives are the mechanization of man. We're beholden to this system. It's become our God. But it's a system that doesn't really bring life. In a way, it sustains us, but it kills us to sustain us. God's way of life just gives life. It doesn't, doesn't give life and take away good things at the same time, or it doesn't require that we sacrifice a lot, some good things for other good things. It's just all good, right? It's 
all good all the time. I mean, I know I'm just getting into this. That's why there's this at least four episodes in this series. We're going to continue to talk about this. But right now, I want you to understand this main thing. God's system is life to life. This other system, this tower system, is life to death. Like, we're sacrificing things, but we don't really realize the things we've sacrificed to gain control for ourselves and gain this power of God in order to control the world for our own benefit. We don't realize that in the end, it actually kills us. It enslaves us to a system, seems to give us good things because it does give us the ability to survive, to master the, to master creation in a way, to, to manipulate and have control over things. But it actually, in the end, it blows up in our faces. It promises the power of God. It promises life. It promises good things. It promises thriving. It promises surviving. It promises meeting our needs. But it takes more than it gives. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think about this. Um, there's this phrase. There's a phrase for this kind of... There, there's this, it's, it's about sustainability. There's a phrase, and I, I can't think of it right now. I'll have to look it up for the next podcast. But basically... It's a, this, this is, there's this concept when it comes to systems. There are systems that take more than they give. And so the effort to maintain the system, even though the system seems beneficial, the effort to maintain it actually takes more and more and more. And eventually the balance between what it needs to survive and what it gives for survival, it, it just eventually the deficit becomes so great that it just breaks down. And then the opposite is a system that actually gives more than it takes. And it actually, it's, it's about sustainability, right? I'll have to look up the terms. I um, uh, wish I could remember it next podcast. But this is the idea we're talking about. God's system gives life. You know, it requires, it does require things of us. It requires that we submit to God, right? He's in charge. It requires that we live in, in this garden mentality, not in the tower mentality. But what? It doesn't allow us to be in control. The tower at the middle in, in the middle of the city, right? That's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. It's like, you can be your own gods. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? We can be in control. We can make our own choices. We can do what we want. That's rebellion, right? We don't need God. God just wants to enslave us, right? I mean, that's in the, the tower in the middle of the city, the tower system, it views God as an oppressor, Right? God doesn't want to give us. He's he's in control of everything. He's greedy. He's jealous. He just he wants worship and he's egocentric and screw that. We can be our own gods. This is a rebellious, this rebellious, you know, juvenile mentality. And if you it paints God as the oppressor, he just wants to control us for his own benefit. Not true. But like when we're stuck in this tower mentality, we don't see that. And guess what? We're born. We're born into the tower. We're not born into the mountain. Okay, <laughs> here we are. It's a song by Josh Garrels. I just think he really, like, he's a contemplative. Like, I just think, he, you know, contemplation is really just the attempt to be more in tune with God, to live more in the garden than the tower. Um, so let's read this um, song, and then I'll talk a little bit more about where we're going and why this podcast is going to be a little shorter. 
and why I'm actually starting to make all my podcasts a little shorter. Okay, the song's called The Resistance by Josh Garrels. I was born into a system constructed for failure. It's a sinking ship manned by drunken sailors, an escape artist behind the bars of a jailer, an asthmatic attack when we forgot the inhaler. If the shoe doesn't fit, what good is a tailor in the midst of a crisis? Please cancel the gala. Without a symphony, there's no need for a prelude to foreshadow what's to come. You see, secret committees commence their meetings to make red tape in response to simple questions. Questions threaten the perception of the beneficial systems, a pyramid scheme with its cogs and its pistons, mechanization of men making more and more live in a miserable existence. How can so few claim so many victims? And this begs the question, my rest is a weapon against the oppression of man's obsession to control things. Look at the long line of make-believe kings. The Lord of the Flies wants you to kiss his ring. Follow new rules with invisible strings. Become a puppet in the diabolical scheme. How do good men become a part of the regime? They don't believe in resistance. Okay? Like he's pointing to some really key things. We were, I was born into a system constructed for failure. We're born into the system of a tower at the middle of a city. It's all we know, right? Like I said earlier, like Adam and Eve didn't know the difference between good and evil. They just knew good, but they didn't know really good in light of its opposite. So kind of hard when you only know the one thing, right? We're on the opposite end. We don't really know what goodness is. We don't really know what God's system is like. We're born into the opposite system. We don't know what it's like to live in a garden with, in the, with the mountain where God is at the center we're born into the wrong system. This is what Garrels is saying. He's saying, and he kind of describes this system. He's using some nice poetic words. It's a, it's a poem type, you know, slash rap. It's a pyramid scheme is what he says. It's secret committees and, you know, simple questions, red tape to simple questions. Like It's like there's a system designed to be really complex for the purpose of keeping us enslaved but we like we don't like the system doesn't want us to see we're enslaved it wants to enslave us in the name of freedom it wants to bring us to death in the name of life right it's it's a system meant to trick us to make us think we can get to god we can make those bricks we can build that tower we can build our cities and our systems and we can bring ourselves thriving we can bring ourselves good life when we're in control it'll be the best screw god his ways. But like when you come to God, you're still in that system. And there's a process from transferring from the tower to the garden. Like we're talking about sojourning. We're talking about trying to walk through the world as God walks through the world. But you've got to understand you've been taught to walk through the world apart from God. When you become a Christian, what you're saying is now, God, I'm entering a process where you begin to teach me how to live like you want me to live. Now there's a process of being transferred from this one system to the other, from the tower to the garden. The mechanization of man. It says making more and more live in a miserable existence. Like in the end, our attempt to build our own tower, our own system of power control, enslaves us. It's the, it's, it's the kingdom of darkness it, whose intent is rebellion against God, whose intent is to kill, steal, and destroy to kill us like this is a system that offers life but it offers life but it really gives us death <sighs> learning to walk with god the first thing we have to recognize is that we don't know how and what we're going to do often is 
bring our current systems into the paradigm of our ideas of God. And we're going to actually really, we're just going to think God's just another kind of tower in a city. Mechanized, controlling, tight, totalitarian, right? So we really need to start to understand these two systems, tower and the garden, city and a mountain, how different they are. One, the city. What? I mean, think about cities, streets and blocks. and It's like boxes upon boxes upon boxes. It's so tight. Look, at I'm in nature. There's not a square in this place. Nothing. It's all like broken lines and round and curvy. And It's just God's system. God's system is not tight boxes within boxes and control upon control upon control. Life on the mountain. But it seems more scary because it's not in our control. Like, city feels like, oh, every, there's these systems and everything works and every, we have all these systems of control and survival. And, mm, but it's killing us. We don't see it. But like, we can make God just another tower in a city. Or like, we just, it's the city of God now instead of the city of the world. But we need to learn to live in the garden on the mountain. It's very different. It's freeing, but it takes away our ability to control. And when all you've known is a system where you think you're in control, and it's about you being in control and you controlling the world for your benefit, survival, comfort, man, it's like transferring from that system, letting go of your control, it's very scary. Transferring life from the tower to the garden. It's actually really hard. Because there's, so, there's layer upon layer upon layer of systems that God needs to begin to reveal, break down, break us out of. It's not just a one-time baptized and now I'm, a, I'm following God. It's not like that. Sojourning with God, learning to walk through the world with God, to be as God is in the world, to live in God's system in the garden. It's, there's a fight. Because we're trapped in this other system and there's a mind behind that system, Satan. And what, you're a Christian now, but you're actually just, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you're not in that system anymore. It means that now God's going to start to teach you things. The first thing you got to start to learn is how to hear God so that God can begin to tell you himself what it's like to walk with him and live in the garden, in the mountain instead of the tower in the city. That in and of itself can take a long time. So, like coming to God, coming to Christ, becoming a Christian means, okay, now we're going to start to learn about this new way of life, right? This whole, this, there's so many metaphors about becoming a new person. It's because we're, we're becoming a new kind of person, but a new person needs a new country, a whole new system in which to live. It's a long journey. That's what we're going to keep talking about in this podcast on sojourning. First thing in this first episode, Garden versus Tower, that I want you to understand is the only thing you know is a tower in the middle of a city. And you're going to often translate your ideas of the garden and the mountain, your ideas of God, in terms of that other system. More often than not, we turn Christianity into just a different kind of tower in a different kind of city 
when we really haven't gotten to the garden and the mountain of God at all. Becoming a sojourner, someone who, what? We're walking in the world as if we don't belong to it. We're there, we're here, right? In it, not of it, right? Um, that's, that's the journey. So sojourning means our home is somewhere else. We don't belong to this world and its system. So we're strangers in a foreign land, right? It's not that God's not here and his kingdom isn't coming. It's that the whole world has been remade in a way according to this other system, the tower in the city. And it, as we start to enter God's new system, God's original paradigm, the garden and the mountain, we're going to start to become aliens in the world because the world has been twisted according to Satan's idea of power and control which is death and which is rebellion against God, separation from God, which is meant to really destroy us. Okay, <laughs> I didn't get to everything I wanted. But as I said, I'm trying to kind of take a breath, slow down. I'm an ADD kid, I'm an ADHD kid, and so my mind's a mile a minute, and I can jam-pack these podcasts with a lot of information, and I can just, woo, I can just get deep in the weeds really quick. I'm trying to slow down and take a more calm, patient approach. That's what I'm doing, starting with this podcast, Sojourning. We just talked about a garden versus a tower. We'll continue to play with those images. Um... There are there's more things I intended to introduce in this first episode, but hey, you know what? We'll take our time. Next, we'll talk about Kronos versus Kairos. I intended to get to that in this episode, but we'll do that next time. But we'll continue to like we're this is a cumulative thing. We're gonna we're not gonna leave behind the idea of the garden and the tower. This is kind of this, these central images. Are we living life with God in the garden in the mountain, or are we trying to contort God to this tower city system, which is actually completely constructed in opposition to everything God is and everything God's about. And next time we'll talk about our concepts of time itself. This is so important. This is one of the key differences between God and his system and Satan and his is how we think of time and how we are either captivated and enslaved to time or freed from time completely. It's pretty cool. All right, guys. This has been a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, J. Randall Ori, thanks for paying attention, guys. I think this is going to be really good. I really hope that we can kind of slow down and start to really think about the kind of life we're living and which system we're more a part of. And got, like I said, remember, we're transferring from one to the other. So, like, you're going to be in between, right? But the goal, the goal isn't that you're completely ne- just, like, yanked out of this old system into God's. Like, that's where we want to get eventually. But, like, in this life, we'll always be in the process of being transferred from the tower to the garden but the goal is that we are becoming less and less and less enslaved in that old system and more and more and more alive in God's new system it's a process we don't measure it by am I in or out we measure it by am I growing less out of that old system more into God's and like so when you start out you're zero it's like zero a hundred 
zero in God, 100 in the other, even though you're Christian. And so like then it may be 1090 and then 2080, right? So it's a progression and there's a spectrum. And but the point is, are we progressing out of the old into the new? It's not a one-time thing. All right. This has been a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. And catch the next one. It'll be good. Bye. Bye.